So the great um, sacred texts of the human family are easily lost and misinterpreted if we lose this connection that Barry has been talking about with the, with the priority of being. As soon as we drift and there is a continuous sort of gravitational pull into doing for its own sake, doing that becomes you know, self-involved um, and spins around on its own axis but forgets what it's about, when it becomes disconnected from being. And that leads to increased activity, hyperactivity, which in the end leads to, <laughs> you just sort of spin off and uh, crash or break down or burn out. And before that happens, the pace of activity increases exponentially and becomes more and more meaningless and leads to more and more discontent and conflict. So the keeping the balance, as, as Barry was saying, this resetting of the balance between being and doing, it's, it's not, it is a balance, but it's a balance that can only be achieved if you recognize that being comes before doing, because otherwise doing is just exhausting itself. It's just running out of energy with more and more hyperactivity. So the sacred texts uh, become incomprehensible to us. We just don't know how to read them anymore. So we read, you know, uh, well, material that is much less helpful. And we don't even read that anymore. We scan it, we skim through it, or we reduce it all to sort of uh, quick fix solutions, you know, seven steps to be a great leader or, you know, five steps to meditation and we, we, we reduce everything to some kind of breathless um, quick solution. So one of the great challenges that we face in the modern world is to recover the ability to read these texts from all traditions. You know, for most of us in the West, um, it's very important to be able to recover how to read the biblical texts and the New Testament stories, not only because they are constantly surrounding us in our culture, in our art galleries, in music, it's, uh, they're just immersed know, in our culture, um, but for most people, young children especially today, the, the 
familiarity with those texts and symbols and stories and figures and personalities is, has virtually been lost. And if we can't read our own, we, will f we, we may, of course, still benefit from reading other texts, other scriptures, um, in translation. Of course, everything is in translation. But, and everything, therefore, needs interpretation. But uh, maybe encountering, you know, the Upanishads, which we were reading yesterday, or other sacred texts, uh, can st stimulate us to learn this art. Again, this art of reading the kind of literature, the kind of witness, the kind of um, evidence, because this is all based upon experience. These stories, these texts, are not primarily ethical teachings telling us what to do. They are revelations of the nature of reality. But if we, as I say, if we've lost that, then they become meaningless. And, but as soon as we begin to reconnect to that connection between being and doing and see the prime priority of being, that there is no sensible doing without being, then the texts again, when we, if and when we do hear them occasionally, uh, become meaningful, intriguing, and fascinating. You just take this little saying of Jesus that we read this morning in, in our house um, about after meditation. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Any branch of mine that is barren, he cuts away, and any fruiting branch he prunes clean to make it more fruitful still. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Dwell in me as I in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, but only if it remains united with the vine. No more can you bear fruit unless you remain united with me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Anyone who dwells in me as I dwell in them bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So how do you feel as we listen to those words from the Gospel of John? We don't know if Jesus actually spoke or what accent he spoke in, but or how he's but clearly these are these are words that that arise from the person of Jesus, maybe through time, over time. And if these fruits that Jesus is talking about that you're, we're identifying, we notice that they were missing in our lives or missing in our institutions or in our hospitals or in our schools or in our businesses or in our politics, we would say, you know, we, our GDP may be very good or not, or our life expectancy may be very high or not. But, you know, the real fruits that matter 
are missing or are declining. Wouldn't we say that? This is more and more people feel there's something missing. Something's going wrong, the ecology, the balance of life is being interrupted. But what, what is he, but so he's saying here, he puts it very simply, because he, as he does, uh, he uses very simple metaphor. This is not a big, difficult, analytical business report. This is a very simple metaphor, and that's how all the great scriptures work, through simple metaphors, simple stories like parables. And this one is just stay, it's so obvious, so logical. Keep the vine, I mean, uh, stay connected to the vine, because you are, a, you are connected to the vine. You are a branch of the vine, and through that connection, you will bear this fruit. But break the branch off the tree or off the vine, and it, will, it won't bear any fruit. But then, he says, if you are bearing fruit, you will be pruned, or the branch will be pruned to make it more fruitful, even more fruitful. The challenges of life. What about the distractions in meditation? <laughs> but isn't that... But that's what Barry was saying, you know, the distractions are our friends, actually, if we look at them this way. They are pruning, they're test, testing us. Yeah. Anything else? Any? How else are we pruned? What's the most radical pruning in life? Yeah. Hmm. So if this is true, if we get the meaning of what he's saying, uh, if we are connected to the vine, if our life is being lived within this natural cycle with the priority of being, and um, then even suffering, disappointment, and death are meaningful. Right? But if we disconnect from the vine, we don't, there's nothing to prune, we don't see these experiences of life as pruning, as educating us, as teaching us painfully, but even as gifts at some point. There's a wonderful uh, video online um, on, our web, on our channel uh, of a conversation uh, with Patricia Ng in Singapore, who got uh, stomach cancer level, what do you call it, uh, grade stage four, at um, the age of 56, 55, and um, it was devastating. She was a meditator, she was happily married, she was, you know, had, had, was well off, happy family, and, uh, and this happened. And uh, they tried everything that science could, could, could offer. And she was given three months to live. She actually lived 19 months. And the 19 months were a time of amazing growth, development, and deepening, and 
their marriage uh, reached new heights and wonder and depth. And um, she said she had moments of panic, of course, terror, <laughs> and also but a growing peace. And so we call this conversation from panic to peace. And she says this, and she's, she's radiant in this, you should see her. She's, she's a lovely looking woman from Singapore. Uh, very beautiful, very radiant, and very you know, joyful. You just like looking at her. And she says, um, she says, the last 19 months, she died, I think, about three months later. She said, the last year or so has been very difficult, painful, all these you know, medical interventions and treatments and chemo and everything. And she said it had been very, very difficult. She, but she lived to see her first grandchild and marriage, uh, and the marriage of another one of her children. Um, but then she said, but I would willingly or I would happily go through it all again because of what I have learned this year. And, you know, suddenly you, you realize you know, she was pruned uh, drastically, but she bore fruit. And that video is online now. It's bearing fruit in many people. I recommend it to many people who are facing a similar challenge, you know. So, in terms of healing, the meaning is very clear, isn't it? Okay, so um, we could just look at one more text. Uh, you're probably familiar with um, from from Luke, which is very much about Martha and Mary. Sorry, very much about being and doing. And what's amazing how short this little text is. It's just you know, just 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 reflect on that for a moment too. How economical these texts can be if we listen to them. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and said, Lord, don't you see I'm doing all this work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, Jesus said, you are worried and anxious about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, if he's saying, look, just shut up and go back and do your work, that's not exactly what he's saying, is it? Uh, so, you know, you're always complaining. Um, 
So if, if we assume that that's not the kind of person he is, what he is saying is exactly, it's saying it as it is, and it is disturbing. If you're in where Martha is at, and we feel that, because we, I mean, we identify with Martha in the story, I think. We're all on Martha's side, because <laughs> we all feel like her. He's either putting her down and just slapping her down, or he's helping her. Helping us. So if he's helping us, which is what he normally does, how is he helping us? When he says Mary has chosen the better part, it's not so that she's better than you are. No, it's more like being. If you get disconnected from being, you'll end up like you. You know, burned out, angry, difficult to live with, feeling sorry for yourself, angry with the people you're working with, you know, and unable to do your work even, not able to enjoy your work. What about Mary? He, he came into the house, and then Martha went, Martha became just, well, Mary sat at his feet, <coughs> this is not a good translation, Mary sat at his feet and stayed there listening to his words. So he was speaking, she was listening, Martha was in the kitchen. So what about Mary? Is she perfect? Was she listening? Well, we're told she was. But, uh, you know, was she dozing? Was she just, was she listening or was she just sort of taking it easy? But okay, so that's one question we have to ask. Is Mary really being contemplative? Is she really meditating or is she just sitting, you know, with her head on the wall, sort of daydreaming? But we're told she's listening. But what, what about, if you're, um, if you're, you know, if, if, if while you were meditating with your father the other day, and then you, you know, he, made, he, 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 he gave some indication that he was uncomfortable or he needed something, what would you do? Yeah, you'd stop meditating. Yeah. So this, this, is the, this is the practical application of this principle we heard about this morning, being coming before doing. Uh, that doesn't mean that you don't do things and that you're not quick to do things or efficient in doing things. But what it, and it means that if uh, that, that you... Being is the most important thing. If, but that doesn't... And, and, and a practical expression of that truth is that you meditate every day in order to keep the balance. <coughs> Nevertheless, if on any occasion there is a, you know, the needs of others... Uh, call upon you, or, or you know, there's an emergency, or you, 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 you actually have to, you know, there's, there's something that really calls you away from the meditation, you have to do that. That takes priority. Somebody falls over in the street, you don't say, you know, just hang, hang, 
hang on there for another 20 minutes while I finish my meditation. So, but, and that's, that is common sense and it's common decency, but loving one another. But the danger is, is that you exploit that exception. Well, we, you know, we, we exploit it by saying, I don't have time to meditate because I've got so many things I've got to do. There's always something more to do. Another email to send, another phone call to make, another meal to cook, another room to clean. There's always something more to do. So, as I was saying about the scriptures, you can't take them literally. You have to interpret them. So in the same way we, we apply this principle that Barry was describing today, the priority of being, we have to apply that with discrimination with wisdom discernment. and discernment yeah. which are where do they come from what from the vine yes well, it's true from the vine yes I mean it, it, the discernment itself comes the prudence the insight the wisdom comes from the meditation 